Well, it is so good to be together with those of us in the room and those of you in the room and with those of you online. We're so grateful to share this time together with you. Uh, If you're new with us, whether you're online or you're new with us in the room, uh, we do have a gift for you today and we'd love to give that to you after the service. So if you, after the service, go to the, for those in the room, go to the welcome table in the back of the room. There'll be a host there that'd love to give you a gift for being with us today. Also, for those of you online, we'd love to give you a gift for being with us if you're new with us online. And they're posting a link right now to a connect card that you can fill out so we can get a gift to you. Um, And uh, we'd love to, to give that to you at the end of the service today. Uh, hey, Westside, let's let everyone that's uh, joining us online and those that are new with us in the room, let them know how grateful we are to share this time with them. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Now, today we continue our series uh, called One, and we've been asking over these last several weeks a very important question, one that I believe is the most important question, who is Jesus. Now, in all of this, we've been coming straight to Jesus, looking at who he says he is. Because who Jesus says he is will either identify him as a lunatic, a crazy man, an evil liar who has evil intentions and selfish intentions, or he is who he said he is. God, the I am, which is who Jesus claimed to be. And this, in this series, we've been looking at this series, big idea. So get out your notes, write this in. Jesus is God, therefore he is Lord. Jesus is who he said he is. And therefore he is Lord. This is the journey we've been on over the last several weeks as we've been looking at the journey that the first century disciple John wrote in in this journey of the gospel of John. He gives us these announcements, these seven announcements where Jesus makes this big claim that he is God, the I am. And in the gospel of John, he also shares seven signs where Jesus proves he is God. And we've been looking at those in our life groups, in our groups that have been meeting during the week as we've been watching the gospel of John. Now today, I want to share with something, uh, you that is not new to you, and something maybe your parents told you, a grandparent told you, someone who loved you, a coach told you, a teacher you loved or loved you, uh, shared with you at one point in your life. And that is this reality that your connections influence your character. I mean, we all have said this at one time, or or we've had this said to us at one time. Our connections uh, are what influence. In fact, you probably said this to your kids at one time. And when they're in grade school or middle school, you wanted them to know that, that who they're in consistent proximity to, and, and when they're in consistent proximity of a certain group of people, it's going to influence and shape the words they say. It's going to shape how they think. And you know it's going to influence and shape how they behave and act <laughs> for positive benefit or to a negative. See, our friendships influence how we think what we say, and eventually what we do, because our friendships really and our connections influence who we become. I love what one pastor says. He says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's so true. I mean, this is what we want our kids to know, but sometimes we even forget this on ourselves. And in this, our connections are so important. The reason connections are so important is because relationships are influential. And they're so important. See, who you're connected to will influence what you think, say, and what you do. Now, I want you to hold on to this thought. Just hold on to that thought because it's going to be important. But I want us to ask another question, a very important question. Why, Jesus? 
I mean, we've asked this question, who is Jesus? But another important question is why Jesus? Why did Jesus need to come? Why, why did God choose to enter into our humanity, into our world, and not just in our world? Why did he choose to become a human and, and to come in the way he did as Jesus, the Son of God? And why did the Son of God choose to suffer the way he did? To what end? And why does this matter to you? Why Jesus? Well, in order to answer the why, and, and, and answer why Jesus, and answer this question, we need to understand the story of humanity, as Jesus saw the story of humanity. See, before Adam and Eve sinned, they had an intimate connection with God, and they experienced his life. We see this in Genesis chapter 2, that, they, that Adam and Eve, humanity, when, when God originally created this, that they didn't have to toil for food. They didn't have to work. This was a perfect paradise with God. They worked the ground, but they didn't have the pain of working. It was a blessing, and no longer did they experience the curse involved in this. There was also unity. We see and we read about this. There was a union, a perfect union with God, the creator, and our Father God, and there was a perfect union that humanity had with each other. And then... We learn in Genesis 3 that because of sin, humanity's intimate connection with God was destroyed. And we suffer brokenness and death. This all unfolds in the narrative that Jesus would validate. I mean, this is why you can trust the Genesis account. Because Jesus himself, the great I am, the one who said he is as I am, he said he would die and come back to life. And his resurrection proves not only his words are true, his resurrection proves that everything he endorsed, like Genesis, is to be trusted as truth. See, the resurrection of Jesus validates his teachings and claims and even validates his endorsements. And because God is life, as we read in Genesis, what Jesus would validate the book of Genesis, because God is life, sin, we realize, disconnects us from the God of life. And therefore... You and I suffer a disconnection from life, a perpetual disconnection. And that's seen in brokenness. It's seen in death. It's why there's, this is the reason we have death in the world, that it, it, it not just impacts us, but it's impacted all creation. And this is the reason there's sickness. This is the reason there's pain. It's the reason for the things that we see in people that they do, the things that they do. And we ask, why would someone do this? It's because... When people are disconnected from God, they do selfish and evil things to one another. It's the reason for this. This is the state of humanity. This is a state that we were born into, disconnected from God. And because man rebelled against God, because humanity is in this perpetual rebellion against God, we are in this perpetual state of sin and this broken connection with God. God. And because of sin, this, it, the direct in, intimate connection that you and I were designed to have with the author of life, that we were designed to have with life himself, because of that sin, it has disconnected that in us, that relationship. And unless we understand this backdrop, unless you understand the backdrop of humanity, you will never understand the answer to why Jesus 
You will never understand why God revealing himself as Jesus is so important to you. And you'll never understand the reason for the pain that we see. And we'll never understand the reason for the pain that we suffer. We'll never be able to make sense of the brokenness even that we see in our own lives. Now, one of my favorite sections in Scripture is actually in John. It's what we're going to look at today. This is my favorite section of Scripture. This, it's a part of the farewell teachings of Jesus. Um, in, Caleb said last week, like, this is Jesus' locker room speech. It's like that time the coach says, hey, this is, it's about game time. He's about ready to go to the cross, and then he's going to turn it over to his disciples. And he's like this last moment. It's like that moment you have with that special loved one. You know they're about ready to die, and they, they bring you in, and you just remember those moments. Well, the disciples didn't know that these were Jesus' last moments, and these became more special after Jesus died and rose again. And John records this. In fact, in John chapter 12 through 17, this is a big chunk of section that's dedicated to these farewell, this farewell teaching of Jesus. And here, Jesus gives us the final I am that John records. And in this, Jesus gives us a promise and a warning about remaining connected, remaining connected to him. See, there is a promise that when we're connected to him and there's a warning of not being connected to him. And Jesus in this will use a metaphor, uh, just like he used the metaphor as the good shepherd. He used the metaphor as the light of the world, the bread of life and the door saying that he is. And he uses another metaphor. He calls himself the true vine. And here Jesus uses this metaphor that is, would be well understood in the Hebrew demographic and geography, because there are many vineyards in the, in the land uh, that they were in, in the Middle East here. There were many vineyards. In fact, Hebrew, the Hebrew life in the, in the Hebrew culture, God would call the Israelites, he would call Israel, you are the vine. And he would be, identify them as the vine. And God would connect their obedience to fruit. He would say, the fruit of you being in the vine is that you're, you obey God. And Jesus does something. He changes the metaphor. And the meaning, just like he would disrupt people's thinking all the time of what we think about God, Jesus disrupts their thinking here. And he goes and he says in John 15, one, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Here, Jesus looks at Israel, the disciples and all of these Hebrew kids and says, you're not the vine. I'm the vine. See, God put you on this earth, Israel, to reveal me. It's all about me. I am the true vine. The focus no longer is on you, Israel. The focus is now on Jesus. And then Jesus in the forthcoming verses will say that while the Hebrew scriptures dedicated and it said your fruit is your obedience to God, he's going to connect our, the fruit to obedience to him. So God the Father, the gardener, and Jesus is the true vine. And, and what Jesus is about ready to say, in fact, I'll just tell you this right now, so write this in. See, those who trust in Jesus and follow him are the branches who are connected to the true vine. We're going to see this metaphor unfold. That Jesus says God is the gardener and God the Father is the gardener and the gardener's responsibility 
is to do something. It's to make fruit. This is the gardener's response. After all, what is a vineyard without fruit? Three times in that passage, in those, that, those verses that we just read, three times Jesus mentions either fruit or fruitful. And whenever Jesus repeats himself, you need to I, remember this. It's important. If he mentions something repeatedly, it's really important. Everything Jesus says is important. But when he repeats himself, it's really important. And Jesus says something in this. He says, God will prune you to make fruit grow in you. Because God's the gardener. And he's the vine dresser. And he will prune you to make fruit grow in you. See, God wants you to be connected to Jesus so you can be fruitful. This is why Jesus identifies his his disciples as the branches. Because the gardener wants his disciples, the branches, those who follow him, to be fruitful. And when we're connected to Jesus, we will be pruned. (laughs) We will be pruned because God wants you to bear fruit and pruning. You know, I I got to live in South Africa and I got to see the vineyards of South Africa and I got to speak with the vine dressers and, and, and it was remarkable to, to be able to speak with them and learn the process of cutting and pruning. See, God will prune you and, and God uses life to prune us and pruning. You know, we all know what pruning does. Pruning makes it more healthy and more productive. And sometimes he allows you and I to go through difficulties to prune us. And I want you to remember something. See, many of us question God's love for us when trouble comes to us. I mean, most of the time when something difficult comes your way, what we, we want to know, what did we do wrong? Does God not love me? And it's because of not God's love that he's withholding love. It's because God loves you and because what God wants in you that he allows you to go through difficult times, circumstances, and different troubles. Because he allows these to be pruning, to make us more fruitful. See, God's discipline through these difficulties is not punishment. It's pruning and we may be going through something. You may, you may be going through something right now. And it's not because you did anything wrong. It's not because you disappointed God that, that God said, well, now the result is you got to go through this hard time. No, he's not putting you through a difficulty because of what you've done. He's allowing you to go through something. He's not punishing you because he, he, you've done something wrong. He's, he's allowing you to go through something because he sees something that he wants to bring out of you. He wants to make you more fruitful. See, just because pruning is painful doesn't mean God is unloving. Just because pruning is painful, we need to remember that the reward of it is enjoyable. Discipline is difficult, but the reward is gratifying. And Jesus would continue to talk about pruning. He would talk about the vine. And in the next following verses, Jesus uses a word, remain, and he uses it 10 times, five in this little section and five toward when we get to the end, that he uses this to tell us. And in this, there's a promise when we remain, and there's a a warning when we don't remain. And in verse three, we say, we read this, you are already clean, Jesus says to his disciples, because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the promise of remaining in Jesus, remaining connected to him, is you will bear much fruit. What an amazing promise. You will bear much fruit. And the warning is that without remaining connected to Jesus, here's what you can do. You ready to know what you can do? Jesus says you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing apart from him. So you may be wondering, and maybe like I've wondered in my past, so what is this fruit? I mean, if this fruit is what is so important to Jesus, what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? And why, what is it that's so important about it? Well, here, see, fruit is more about who we are becoming than it is what we are doing. Now, when I say more important, it doesn't mean that what you're doing is not important. In fact, you're gonna see here in a couple of verses that what you do is important. He, but who you are becoming is more important than what you are doing. See, it doesn't mean that, it, it, that what you do is not important. It's just who is more important than do. It's, it, it's about our character. And, and following Jesus is about being more than it is about doing. And it's out of our being that leads us into the doing that we do. See, who you are becoming will influence what you will be doing. This is the important nature of what we need to understand about Christ and following him. See, Jesus would identify himself as the true vine. He is the source of life by which all things get their nutrients. And it's out of remaining in him that you become someone. And it's out of remaining in him that you produce fruit. And it's about who you are. See, true life is only really when you are connected to the true source of life, Jesus. See, life is only in Jesus. And becoming like Jesus is the evidence we are receiving his life. See, becoming like Jesus is the evidence of this. The Apostle Paul would tell the church in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 5, that the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the God that you're remaining in Christ and Christ is in you, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the product the Holy Spirit produces in us when, we re, when we're connected to Jesus. See, we can only experience life. And we can only experience life. And we, the fruit of that life in us can only be experienced when we are connected to the source of life. It's the evidence. We're connected to the source. And the evidence is there's transformation in who you are. See, the evidence is the fruit, that you're more like Jesus. So if the fruit comes from remaining in Jesus, how then do we remain in Jesus? The Greek word for remain is this word meno, M-E-N-O. And meno, meno means continually present with. I love this word. I love how some of the other translations, like the English Standard Version, it translates this word meno. It uses the word abide. That, that when you meno, when you, you're going to make your home in Jesus. See, being continually connected with Jesus is the only way to produce the fruit God wants to see. 
But we have a problem. At least I've had a problem. And maybe you have my same problem. We want the progress without the process. We want the progress of, of being connected to Jesus, but we're going, we want to ignore the process. We want it. See, without being continually connected with Jesus, Jesus tells you and I, you can do nothing. You cannot ignore the process and enter and get the produce from this. See, you cannot bear fruit unless you're continually connected with Jesus. You want progress? Well, you have to engage in the process because you can't have progress without the process. We want peace in our lives. We want joy in our lives. We want our character. We do want to change. And what we do is we try everything apart from Jesus. We ignore the process Jesus gives us. And lasting change doesn't happen. It may work for a couple of weeks, but it doesn't last because we can't have the product without engaging in the process. We want the world to experience peace. We want the world to see the transformation. And we're pushing the world all to these things that God wants for the world. But there's only one way that all happens. Is you can't have the progress without the process. We want our lives to change. But we don't want the process that leads to that change. We want God to be this genie in the bottle and grant all of our wishes, but we are will, not willing to even do the dishes. See, we want the progress without the process, and we cannot bear fruit without the process of being continually present, continually connected with Jesus. And Jesus promises something. He promises something amazing when you are continually connected to him. See, as you, can, as you continually connect with Jesus, you will bear much fruit. This is the promise. See, you will not be the same. Not, not just some fruit. You're going to bear much fruit. And here's the reality is you cannot stay the same as you remain in Jesus. You just cannot stay the same as you remain in Jesus. As you remain in him, you, you will transform. God will transform you because you are connected to the direct source of life. And you cannot remain the same person when you are continually present with Jesus. See, the more you're continually present with Jesus, the more loving you become, the more joy that people experience in your life, the more peace you are in the most difficult circumstances, the more gentle you become, the more faithful you are, the more kind you become in those situations where kindness would draw most people to do something else, the more, the more you would be self-controlled in those moments, and you'll have that to exercise because you're connected to the source of life. See, when our relationship with Jesus is strong, we think, we speak, and we act more like Jesus. And Jesus continues. And as he continues, he continues with a sober reality. He, gets, he says in verse 6, and here are the other remains. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words or my truth remains in you, 
Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. And I just want you to stop right there because this is so important. Because you know what sometimes we want in life? We want the fruit for our self-image. We want the fruit because we want to look good. There's only one reason to produce fruit. It's to glorify him. To reflect his image in us. This is to my father's glory. That you bear much fruit. Showing yourself the evidence that you are my disciples. See a true Christian, a true disciple is one who bears fruit. And this is critical to Jesus. The only way to glorify God, which is our chief objective and purpose in life, is to bear fruit. And to follow him, we have to produce fruit. Otherwise, Jesus says, you're like a fruitless branch that is only good for one thing, firewood. It's useful, but it's only useful for one thing, firewood. Now, when I was in South Africa, (laughs) Cassie and I were there. Um, we got to, to experience some of the, I got to experience some of these vineyards. And the goal of the vineyard, as I mentioned earlier, was to produce lasting fruit, fruit that will last. And this is the goal of our Heavenly Father. See, our Heavenly Father, and I want you to re- recognize something, your Heavenly Father who is a good shepherd. The reason I say that is because sometimes we forget that he is a God who loves us and cares for us. Your heavenly father, who's a good shepherd, warns us that he will cut out the dead things, which are the sin in our life, and prune the good things so we will become more like Jesus. There are things in our lives and in your life that dishonor God. There are dead branches in your life that that, that resemble sin. I mean, this is sin. This is what disconnects you from this this reality of being disconnected from God. And he wants to cut those things out of our lives. And there are good things that are good things in our life. And and God will often even remove the good things in our life. And we wonder, God, why would you take away something so good to me? See, God is a gardener, and he has the picture of the total vine. And we are the branches, and God will often remove the good things in our life, pruning those things out to bring in the best things, to make us fruitful. See, God will prune out the bad and he will prune in the best. This is the process that leads to the progress that glorifies him. Life is pruning and pruning keeps us humble and it's not for our benefit, but it's for his. When I was in South Africa, Cassie and I and our family were there between 2012 to 2015. And um, while we were there planting the church, I got focused on the progress and ignored the process. And I had, I was so concerned about the fruit that people, um, of people, uh, uh, people, you know, I thought this was it. We wanted people. And, um, and in this, I wanted to prove something that, that I wanted to prove something to others. And I was so worried about what people thought of me. And I wanted to have a big church. <laughs> I wanted to go over there and prove myself. Or I thought that's what I needed to do. I needed to go over there to justify 
all of this and God leading us there. And I wanted to be more successful comparing ourselves to other church planners. And I've just caught in this really bad cycle because I thought being fruitful was all about doing. I wanted more people in our church. I wanted to see our people doing more and, I, and reaching more people. And so we were doing something almost every day of every week. We were trying to do more. And every day we were doing more because, you know, I really wanted more fruit. I wanted this to see this. I wanted to see the progress. And we were about six to eight months into the church plant with only about 45 people coming. This was very frustrating to me. And in this time, I had one of those come to Jesus moments. You know what a come to Jesus moment is? Come to Jesus moment where Jesus either gently or not so gently, I'm so grateful this was a gentle one. He just slaps us back into his reality. And I had one of these come to Jesus moments. And the Holy Spirit sat me down gently. And he spoke to my heart. I was actually going through this very passage that we're reading right now. Wasn't preaching on it. It was just part of my daily devotion. And the Holy Spirit sat me down in the quietness of my soul. He said, Casey, it's not your responsibility to make fruit. It's mine. It's not your responsibility to make fruit. It's mine. Your responsibility is to be faithful to me. You be faithful. Casey, I'll make you fruitful. Everything Jesus was saying, the Holy Spirit brought, you know what happened to me in that moment? It revealed my brokenness. I was searching for approval, acceptance, significance in every other connection, in achievement. I wanted the progress and I ignored the process. I recognized my brokenness that I was focusing on the wrong thing. And in my brokenness was because I was acting like I was connected to the source of life. I was doing all the things, but I was not truly connected. I was not remaining in him. I replaced being with God with my activity for God. And many times we do this. We replace our activity for God, or being with God with activity for him. But all God wants you is to be faithful, and he will make you fruitful. We get so caught up in the progress that we want to make the fruit. I was so focused on the church growing, and I wanted to see the fruit of the things that they were doing. I was focused on good things, but they were the wrong things because I lost sight of the most important thing. Remaining with Jesus, being connected to him. See, I needed to focus on being continually present with him, remaining in him, being faithful to him, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to work the true fruit, the lasting fruit in me. See, I needed the process in order to see the progress. Does this mean our church grew? Nope. But you know what something happened? I experienced transformation on the inside out. I had my eyes on the wrong things. I had my eyes on success. I had 
while Jesus, all he had his eyes were on my heart. And was I being faithful to him? So here's a big idea that I just want you to remember today. You are called to be faithful. And the I am will make you fruitful. You are called to be faithful to Jesus. And the true vine is who will make you fruitful. As you remain faithful to following Jesus, the gardener, his responsibility, your responsibility is to be faithful to him. Be faithful to following Jesus. And it's his responsibility to produce the fruit in you. When you be faithful to remain, to stay connected with Jesus, and you will begin to transform from the inside out because you are connected to the true vine, which is life. And when you're connected to life, you change. So how do we remain? How do we remain faithful? What Jesus says in these next verses are the key to remaining. This will be transforming for some of you today. This is what he says in verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I want to read that again. Some of you just need to listen to this, and you need to let this sink in. As the Father has loved Jesus, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. The love God the Father has for Jesus, Jesus has that same love for each and every one of you. Whether you're listening online or you're here in the room, God's love for you was demonstrated in the most demonstrative way as Jesus would be sent because he loved us to die for us and come back to life for us. And his willful death led to his resurrection to give life to all who would receive his love. See, as Jesus demonstrated his love for you, this is what we do. We remain in Jesus. This is the most important step. And sometimes we forget this step because we are looking to others to love us. We're looking to others to approve of us. We're looking for the acceptance from others. We're efforting for God's love. We're trying to effort for God's acceptance. We're trying to effort for God's approval. And he says, I've already done that. Rest in my love. Receive it. And instead of looking for it from anyone else, recognize how much I love you and rest in my love for you. See, I will remain in Jesus' love by resting in his love for me. This is the good news. This is the good news to our soul. This is how we receive life. We rest in his love for us. We don't have to produce the fruit for God to love us. He loves you and you don't have to do more for God to love you more. All you have to do is receive his love by resting in his love and trusting in his love for you. And then in verse 10, he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. See, resting in God's love gives you and I the ability to obey God's commands. It's when you rest in God's love that those who rest in God's love realize that their obedience doesn't make them love God more, but it's because they realize how much God loves them that it leads them to obey. It's out of God's love for us 
that we obey him. See, because Jesus loves you, this is why we obey. It's because Jesus loves me, I will obey his commands just as Jesus obeyed his father and remained in his love. See, we don't obey for God's love. We obey from his love for us. And Jesus wraps this up with such life-giving words. And he says this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Church, this is a promise that is true, that his joy can be in you and complete. And he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay one down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit and not just any type of fruit, fruit that will last. It's not just gonna be for a short time. This will be long-term so that whatever you ask in my name, he continues the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. When we rest in God's love for us, it leads us to what we are to do. And as we remain faithful to following Jesus, God will make you fruitful. And today, maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're frustrated because you think that coming to church and and doing these things will, 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 and, and, and you just, you're doing all of these things to get God to love you and approve of you. Or you're going to methods. You're going to all these other methods and trying to change who you are, but you haven't come back to God. And he's just saying to you, you cannot do this on your own. In fact, you can try to do this on your own, but it doesn't last. There's only one way to have lasting fruit. This is continually resting in God's love for you, obeying his command from his love for you, and you will experience a transformation from the inside out that will create a lasting change. Because you've tried this on your own, and you realize you can't do this. You can't change who you are. And that's the truth. See, I can't, but Jesus can He's the true vine. So what do I do? I remain. Remain in Jesus. I want to give you some space to respond as we close this service. There are three things that we're going to put on the screen. There's three prayers. I just want you to take time and pray this for a couple minutes. Father, I give myself for union with you. Maybe you're here and you've been disconnected from God. Say, God, I'm giving myself for union with you. Maybe you've been going to every other source to try to change who you are. He wants you to come back to him. And maybe this prayer is your prayer. Father, I want to remain in Jesus so the Holy Spirit can produce Jesus' character in me. 
Maybe you've been trying to change who you are every other way, but you need to allow the Holy Spirit to do you as you remain in Jesus. And maybe there's something you need to write down in this last blank. It's your blank to fill in however you want. Father, I can't change blank. What is this? Is, it, is this something about you? Is there an addiction? Is there a trait about you that you just can't get over your anger? What is, what is it? I can't change this, but I know Jesus can as I'm faithful. I want to ask you to bow your heads. You can look up on the screen if you need to or on your paper, it's in your notes. Just take a moment, pray this. Remain and be present with your God. Father, forgive us for ignoring the process. Forgive us for having our eyes on the wrong things. And right now we repent from trying to be connected to all these other things that are false vines. They're broken sources of back to you, the true source. We come back to Jesus and we give ourselves for union with him. Father, we want to remain in Jesus so the Holy Spirit can continually produce Jesus' character in us. The reality is, is we can't change so many things about ourselves. But Jesus, who did the perfect work on the cross, his power at work in us through the Holy Spirit can change us from the inside as we are faithful to remain in your love. May we rest in your love. And may we be faithful to you knowing that it's you who makes us fruitful. In Jesus' name.